Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. In 2016, we win 12 games. I'm up for the MVP. I get MVP votes. I played better the last two years than I did those two, you know, in that year. I didn't get any MVP votes. Didn't even go back to the Pro Bowl. So, to me, I, I know what I put on film. You know, I've talking to some coaches out here that I've played against, and just what they say to me, that means more to me than getting outside attention. That's Raiders quarterback Derek Carr speaking uh, this weekend. I think that was from the um, Brother from Another show on uh, the Peacock Network. Uh, they do a great job over there. And uh, Derek uh, Carr was participating in the golf tournament this weekend uh, up at Lake Tahoe. Beautiful setting out there. Jeez, does it not make you want to just drop everything and head to Lake Tahoe? Yes, exactly. Uh, and I felt the same way when uh, the Golden Knights earlier this season uh, or actually last year, now that I think about it, or was it this year? I can't remember this calendar year or not. But anyway, uh, they went up to uh, Lake Tahoe to play uh, a game, um, a regular season game, uh, out o- overlooking the lake. There was snow. It was just beautiful. But anyway, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It is a Monday. We are two weeks away, 15 days, two weeks Two weeks from tomorrow, exactly, the Raiders will be gathering over at their practice facility and headquarters in Henderson to begin officially the 2021 season. I am beside myself just thinking about it. I got a little trip uh, that I'm going to make here uh, in a little bit to Italy just to get some rest and relaxation, see some family members um, there before returning and hitting the ground running. With the Raiders, covering the Raiders, you know I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal, obviously uh, host the show uh, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. I can't wait to get started, and I really, truly believe that the Raiders feel the same exact way. I feel and have sensed a different vibe around the Raiders throughout the entire offseason from what they did last year, some of the good things that they did last year, especially offensively some of the improvements that they made on defense from Gus Bradley, the new defensive coordinator, to bringing in a unique Ngakwe along the defensive line with Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon, Quentin Jefferson, bringing in Casey Hayward, a veteran defensive back, cornerback, drafting Trayvon Morig, somebody who was projected to go in the first round, ended up being a second-round pick, and somebody that, is expected to fill that free safety position at a really high level. Based on all of those things, guys getting better, Henry Ruggs coming back in much better shape, the addition of Kenyon Drake uh, on offense, the drafting of Alex Leatherwood to solve the right tackle position, some of the improvements or changes that they've made along the offensive line. The vibe that I've gotten from the Raiders throughout the offseason was different this year Compared to last year, remember, how many times did I tell you guys last year, you know, getting some texts and worrisome texts, just like, oh, man, you know, this not having an offseason, we're really relying on a whole bunch of young players and a whole bunch of new guys. This isn't going to help. This isn't going to this is going to hurt. We're going to feel this a little bit. Uh, 
there's going to come a time where this is going to be uh, something that really hurts us, not having OTAs, not having uh, a regular offseason program, meeting together for the first time as a team in training camp last year. Imagine that. I get it. Everybody had to go through that. There's no question about that either. Every single team went through the same exact situation. Oh, one little difference. The Raiders were making a move from Oakland to a new market here in Las Vegas. That kind of gets forgotten in the overshadowing of everything that COVID-19 did to last season. What got lost almost inexplicably so this would have been the whole story coming into last year or throughout last year was the Raiders were making a move from one city to the next historically go look back at the success rate of teams that have made similar moves over the years the Rams the Cardinals the the Oilers going from Houston to to Tennessee to be the Tennessee um, Titans uh it's just, it's never conducive. There's always something that it just, it's just such a drastic change. And, and I know that, you know, as fans, you look at it and while they're out there on the field, it's just football. I mean, how hard can that be? Well, imagine everybody moving the entire organization from ground up during a pandemic, by the way, making that kind of a move during a pandemic. Nobody could get into the building. The buildings weren't open. Trying to move and get housing in the middle of a pandemic. I know I thankfully beat that by about a month or so moving from California to Las Vegas myself. I can only imagine what it would have been like waiting a little while longer and having to deal with that. Oh, can't get into the house. Can't take a look at it. We'll have to do everything remotely. Yeah, we can do those things nowadays, but it makes it a hassle, doesn't it? So on top of everything else, the Raiders were making a move from Oakland to Las Vegas. I don't even remember, and I cover the team, I don't even remember writing that sentence more than a handful of times. As a contrast, when I covered the Rams, when they got back to Los Angeles from St. Louis after 21 years out in the desert or out in the wilderness out there in St. Louis where they should have never been to begin with, Thanks, Georgia Frontieri. That was a great move. Who makes that move going from Los Angeles to St. Louis? But I digress. Everything I wrote pretty much centered around the Rams making the trek back to Los Angeles and the monumental undertaking that that is. They ended up finishing 4-12 and 12 that year. I'm not blaming it on the relocation, but it didn't help. It certainly didn't help, and it certainly didn't help the Raiders last year. Nevertheless, there were some really good things about what happened last year. That offense was explosive. That offense was a playoff caliber offense. When was the last time you can say that about the Raiders, everybody? When? 2016? That seems like an eternity ago in the world of sports. That was a huge step forward, and it's part of the foundation of good vibes that I have felt about this team, in and around this team, talking to people, as opposed to this time a year ago where everything was so uncertain. John Gruden hadn't even seen his team at this point. There were still... I have to go look back at when training camp actually started. don't want to get my dates wrong here. But 
two weeks away, put it this way, last year, two weeks away from training camp, he hadn't even seen his guys in the same room together, let alone on the field. He had no basis, especially with all these young guys and especially with all those new faces. Imagine that. Don't want to use it as an excuse. It was part of the Raiders' journey last year, and that journey got them to 8-8. Eight and eight. That's the bottom line. The Raiders' journey moving from Oakland to Las Vegas, no offseason, a whole bunch of young players on defense, a whole bunch of new faces on defense. The journey that they took that included everything that was the result of COVID-19 deliver them to an eight and eight season. No excuses. That's who they were last year. But I'll tell you, there was some concern behind the scenes that that was exactly what was going to happen, especially defensively. Felt really good about the offense. Yeah, we've talked about that before. It was an older offense. You had a quarterback that was going into year three under the same system for the first time in his career. Derek Carr. He had never had that kind of longevity with the head coach and an offensive coordinator and a system. You had Josh Jacobs coming back. You had Darren Waller coming off a Pro Bowl caliber season. You had the a, a, an offensive line that was going into last year thought of as the best offensive line in the NFL. Didn't work out that way. We all know that. You had Nelson Aguilar, who I kept telling people – You're sleeping on Nelson Aguilar. This guy can play. Had a good year. The offense had a good year. It was a top 10 offense. The defense, not so much. But the good vibes that I felt and why the narrative, and I'm talking about even inside the building, is different this year. And I talk about last year because it's, it's, it's important to point out kind of what was going on behind the scenes last year as opposed to this year. This year, there's there's much more confidence. There's much, much more op- optimism. There's much more of a feel of things headed in the right direction. It's a better team collectively across the board. It's a deeper team. It's a faster team. It's a more athletic team. Yes, things have to work out accordingly on the field. It always does. But what I'm saying is the feeling about the team going into this year is different than it was last year. And granted, what could John Gruden have truly known definitively about his team last year? Zero. There was not much that he could have really known about his team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He hadn't seen any of those guys throughout the offseason. What did Gus Bradley talk about recently? 200 snaps, 200 reps, I should say. 2,000, I should say. 2,000. His defense got 2,000 reps during the offseason. That defense had zero reps going into training camp last year. So, yeah, they're going to have a better idea of what they have, and it's made them feel pretty good about what they have. And I'm not just talking about coaches there's players and they're like feel pretty good right feel pretty good feeling pretty good about going into this out this this season feel pretty good feel pretty good that's a good thing and it circles back to what Derek Carr was talking about to start the season 
or what he would to start the show, I should say, about how he played better in 2000 last year compared to his quote unquote MVP caliber year in 2016. That 2016 team went to the playoffs. Unfortunately, he couldn't go. He broke his foot the game before. Uh, the regular season finale ruined everything for the Raiders. But he got him there playing, by his estimation, not as good as he played last year with the Raiders going 8-8. Eight and eight. It just shows you you have to have a good team around you. And you, the quarterback can't do it all by himself. That's never happened. That's never been the case. Nobody in any sport can do it all by himself. Did you watch the NBA Finals last night? If you did, you'd have seen Giannis doing pretty much the same thing that he did in game two in Phoenix. Only this time, his supporting cast showed up and delivered. And they didn't the game before. The star player played the same exact game, essentially. The players around him elevated their game, and it was a blowout in game three. And if those, if that, those players in and around him can play similarly in game four. This thing's going back to Phoenix tied 2-2 because I think I think the Bucs have the best player on the floor. He's the best player left in these playoffs. But like anybody, great player, not so great player, whatever. You need help. He needs help. Derek Carr needs help. Derek Carr got help last year offensively. A lot more weapons around him last year. Also, just his understanding and his command of the offense made him a better quarterback as well. But it helped that he had Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Nelson Aguilar, Josh Jacobs. And to me, that offense can be actually even better this year when you had Kenyon Drake, a healthy Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, uh, Henry Ruggs taking a step forward. Brian Edwards taking a step forward. John Brown, Willie Sneed. Foster Moreau now fully healthy. He needs the defense, though, to step up. That's what this is all about. And in spite of everything that happened in defensively last year, they were ranked 30th in points allowed. They were third worst in so many categories, turnovers, sacks, getting teams off the field uh, on, a, on, on third down. It was a cluster, you know what, far too many times defensively. And, you know, we talked about this last week. And actually, here's, in spite, before we get to that, in spite of that, in spite of all that, the Raiders were 8-8 eight and eight last year, which is kind of miraculous when you think about it. When an offense gives up, when a defense gives up 30 points a game, it's just, I'm just saying, that's not easy to do. And it shows you how good Derek Carr played and that offense played. To get to 8-8 eight and eight, in spite of a defense that's given up 30 points a game, it's not easy to do. And history proves that. Nevertheless, they were ugh, this close to making the playoffs or winning 11 games. And here's Derek Carr talking about that. Well, I mean, we had, we had, we're three or four plays away from having 12 or 11 wins, like literally three play. And it's like, 
we're so close, you know, and, and especially we feel so confident on the offensive side with all the weapons that you mentioned and all those kind of things. And now adding Coach Gus Bradley and Yannick and the, the different guys that we've added to our defense. I mean, we're kind of excited, you know, to say the least, you know. Uh, so we're really looking forward to the season. I'm trying not to get too excited. You know, I've learned in my eight years when I get too excited, you know, okay, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep like this. And we'll, yeah. we'll show up on Sundays. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll show up on Sundays. We'll fly the little radar. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's Jay Tanner. That's Derek Carr uh, talking on uh, the brother from another show, uh, which is on Peacock Network, and they were out at uh, that the um, big golf tournament uh, up in Lake Tahoe again. Just majestic beauty in Lake Tahoe. I went there last year for the first time in my life. You know, it's one of those places living in California my whole life. Basically, gotta get up to Lake Tahoe. Gotta like get up to Lake Tahoe. I'm Italian. If you've seen The Godfather. Uh, the opening of part two or, or very early in part two, uh, the Corleone family has now transferred from New York uh, to Nevada and they're up at Lake Tahoe and there's this wedding scene or no, it's a communion scene uh, for, for Michael Corleone's uh, young son who's uh, got his first communion and they had this big party on uh, Lake Tahoe. And that's the first time as a kid, when I'm a little kid, and my dad finally said, yeah, we can watch The Godfather. I'll let you watch it. And I was just like, yes, I get to watch The Godfather. Uh, greatest movie of all time, by the way. And seeing Lake Tahoe, like, Dad, what? where's this? Oh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's up north, Northern California. And from that moment on, I'd always wanted to go. But for whatever reason, opportunity uh, never, never presented itself. Got up there last year, and it's breathtaking. It's one of the most beautiful places on the face of the earth. And I'm going to one of the most beautiful places uh, this week. I'll be in, uh, on the Amalfi Coast in Italy, so uh, I'll be able to compare the two. I've never been to the Amalfi Coast. I'm looking forward to it. But if it's anything <laughs> like, like Tahoe, and I'm sure it is, it's just one of those places that you have to go to. So I highly recommend it. But back to the more pertinent um, news is that Derek Carr speaking uh, up at up at Lake Tahoe over the weekend, talking about how the Raiders were three, four plays away from being an eleven and twelve win team, and I know that it caused an uproar. We talked about it on Friday. We got to it on Friday. Um, I don't understand why it caused such an uproar, and I'm not talking about you know uh, n- the national people or you know fans of other teams. You're going to get that sampling. You're going to get that. Uh, element if something gets put on Twitter and it did pro football talk put it out on Twitter and wrote a little story about how Derek Carr felt like the Raiders were three plays away from being an 11 and 12 team and a whole bunch of comments underneath the tweet you know we're, we're kind of bashing Derek a little bit how could you say that you know everybody says that etc cetera, etc cetera. and I, I get that you know most fans who watch their team and are devoted to their team and have a passion for their team and are watching their team on a play-by-play, day-by-day, hour-by-hour basis, they don't. It's, it's almost humanly impossible to have that kind of a devotion or, or the, or, or the um, intuitive knowledge that you have as a result of that kind of devotion. It's almost humanly impossible to have the same for a team that you're not paying that much attention to. There's no way a devoted Steeler fan was you know, on the side on the down low, keeping an eye on the Raiders to, to, to that extent, to know play in and play out and game in and game out and how games all every, all 16 games unfolded and how it all uh, transpired. They just don't. Um, but I understand looking at it from afar, you're eight and eight. That's it, brother. 
Nothing needs to be out. Nothing else needs to be said. Forget about three three plays away. How could you say that? I get it from from that element. They shouldn't know. It's impossible to. But when I hear and I see, uh, you know, because we put it out there on Twitter last week as well, and over the weekend, even Raider fans, you know, were trying to come with the argument. Well, if the offense had just done this, this, and this, I get it. I get it. The offense could have played better. Every offense can play a little bit better. Anytime a team loses a game, you can nitpick the offense and say, well, they should have scored this. They, you know, they were, they were, they could have scored that many points. Yeah, okay. But let's look at this logically and realistically. The Raiders lost five games last year, 20, where they scored 23 or more points. I think it was four where they scored 24, five or more points and three when they scored 27 or more points, all right? It's like, and, and one of those was was they scored over 30 points. Obviously, by definition, when you lose, you don't score as many points as the other team. So you could argue, well, if the offense had just scored another time. Okay, I get it. I understand that. Yes. But you can't ask the offense to play perfect football game in and game out. And honestly, that was almost the only way the Raiders could win last last year. And they darn near did it 11 times, leaving the field with the lead three times. Late in games, a minute 43, 19 seconds left in overtime. You can't expect everything to – the offense can't be perfect. At some point, you have to blame the defense, and you have to say, Derek Carr, he did his job more than enough, and I'll stand by that. Got to get the defense fixed. If you gave him just halfway better defense last year, the Raiders are in the playoffs. No questions asked. But yet and still, there's still Raider fans are like, no, no, it's Derek Carr's fault. It's It was Derek Carr's fault. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. I reject that notion. It wasn't Derek Carr's fault. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now back to your hosts, Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. By the way, real quick, uh, before we get out to uh, the, the listener line, uh, I, as a, look, I'm just going to say it, I grew up a New York Mets fan. Kumar Rocker, the Mets drafted him 10th overall, the uh, tremendous pitching prospect from Vanderbilt University. I was doing like high fives with my son uh, yesterday because he kept following and following and following. I think that there was probably some sort of an agreement or whatever. Uh, they're going to pay him a lot more money than they would normally, uh, the 10th pick overall. Um but man, to get that, he's going to fit perfectly uh, in New York, and I am just ecstatic. Had to throw that out there because uh, talking a little bit of baseball. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador on a Monday. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Dave is in Denver, wants to talk about a Marcus Mariota package, which I am all for. How you doing, Raider Dave? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, first, I wanted to try to get your quick response. I'm sorry, last time I called, my phone crapped out, but how about with Brady never asking for more and more and more money. He always was very conservative, much like Carr has been, but yet Carr gets a bunch of flack for it where Brady didn't. And Brady understands, and I think 
any smart quarterback understands if you take a little less money and don't break the bank, you got a better team around you. Yeah, uh, there's no question about that. And, um, you know, right now the Raiders definitely are in a uh, beneficial position because they have their quarterback at under market value. And Derek Carr has not, you know, uh, come out and publicly said, hey, it's time for a new contract. I talked to him about it uh, privately a couple of weeks ago. um, And he was like, I definitely want to be here. And if something were to happen, I'm all for it. But I'm letting my agent and the team uh, handle that, and if they come to me with something that uh, that that everyone is, is is cool with, I'd be happy to sign it. So um, I like the approach, though, and it kind of goes back to what you're saying, because other quarterbacks in this position could very easily start playing a little bit of hardball uh, where he right, is in right. his contract. And those that understand or have the want to to get rings more than a paycheck are the ones like Brady and Carr that aren't going to break the bank and understand that that money can be spent well around them. Um, yes, exactly. As as Mar- Mariota goes, and I think this is the thing with Gruden last year. He really did get kind of predictable. But with a package of Mariota, that gives you those four, five, six plays that they could practice that nobody sees on film, whether it's week to week. You might show a couple or a three, you know, and then they change it up. And when Mariota comes in, it's something else. And you, you know as well as I do, and the West, rest of Radio, Radio Nation is smart and follows this, there's really not a whole lot of time throughout the week, week to week in the NFL, to go over all kinds of different things that a team is going to throw at you. And Taysom Hill proved that over in New Orleans. But there really isn't another team now, like the Raiders, that are poised in that kind of position to really throw a wrinkle in like Reed has, where he has five of those ace-up-his-sleeve plays each week where if other stuff isn't working, he can go ahead and do this. And more times than not, it's a scoring play. You know, when they have the Chiefs on their heels in the Super Bowl or any other game, they don't play as well. Yeah, sure, they can come back with one of those plays and make a a 10-point game back to a one-score game or whatever. But, you know, to really have them on their heels like the Raiders did and like the Bucks did, it was a positional battle that just overpowered some of those Chiefs uh, players. And that's the mano-a-mano battle that I think that the Raiders have been concentrating on to build this roster and go ahead and go after them again. And you can bet that they want two games and two wins against the Chiefs, not like what they let them get away with last year. But I just really think that the Raiders are poised in a position to go ahead and have something a little bit quirky, a little bit different, that other teams are going to have to try to prepare for that is going to concentrate and take up their time in preparation for this team. I completely agree. And, uh, you know, just for a little bit of background, um, because I was pushing for it last year, but last year unfolded. Yeah, last year unfolded in in such a way where right off the bat, it was obvious that Marcus Mariota was hurt. Um, You know, we saw it in, in training camp. He was throwing balls into the ground and it was like whoa what's going on here thought he was just being tentative or or what or you know i didn't know didn't know but then come to find out that he had suffered uh, a pictorial injury there were some other physical issues that had carried over from uh, the tennessee uh, years and so basically you know the raiders put him on ir and let him get better and so every all of that that you're talking about with you know the packages and all that kind of stuff it, it got away from the Raiders and it got away from Marcus Mariota because if you remember, he was on injury reserve for a long time. And even when he came back, it took him a while to get back onto uh, the regular roster. It wasn't until late, late, late in the season uh, that he was able to do it. And, and, and you know, it, 
the Raiders, I think, would have loved to have had a healthy Marcus Mariota, both spiritually and 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 body wise, uh, for the bulk of the season. And I do think that they would have been able to to tap into him more often than they than obviously they did last year. But that just wasn't how it all played out. But I'd be kind of shocked if that didn't happen uh, this year. Um, I f- I feel like, um, you know. I feel like a healthy Marcus, a year under his belt in this system, much in a much better place physically, in a much better place mentally. Uh, he was kind of a broken down guy uh, when he got here last year. Um, and, and the Raiders and, and Marcus has talked about this. The credit that he gives John Gruden and the Raiders for just giving him the space and time needed. There was no, hey, we're paying you, you know, what was it, eight million dollars, whatever the case might be. Hurry up, hurry up. It was, it was actually the opposite. They understood, hey, there's some issues here physically and and probably confidence wise uh, as well. Let's build him back up. They still had him under contract, you know, for this year, so they knew that the investment that they were making, even kind of behind the scenes scene, scenes to get him right in so many different ways could actually benefit them uh, this year. And, and I think that um, now that he has, he's back, you know, physically, he's back mentally. He looked pretty good uh, during OTAs when we saw him. Can't wait to see uh, the, the 2021 version of Marcus Mariota. Uh, but I, but, if he's still on the roster and there's always the possibility that a team might come knocking on the Raiders door, dissatisfied with what they have at quarterback and say, Hey, you know, uh, what would it take to get Marcus Mariota? Marcus would have to sign off on it. He has a no trade clause, but that's good for him because I doubt very seriously if a, if a contender or somebody that, um, that felt that he felt like he was going to get a legitimate shot to start with, uh, I don't think he would he would block that trade. Uh, but short of that, he's going to be with the Raiders, and he's going to be here another year. And now the way he knows this offense and the ra- way the Raiders know him and the confidence that they have in him, I'd be shocked if they didn't tap into him uh, a, a little bit. And remember, um, when he did have to play last year, and we're talking about, hey <laughs> – Go out there and play right early in a game. Uh, Derek Carr went went out uh, was against the Chargers, and all of a sudden Marcus Mariota, who, if I remember correctly, was it was the first game that he dressed out in, or maybe the second game that he was on the active roster um, last year, and he got pressed into duty and played beautifully. Uh, he played really well, and he showed some things that were are different than than Derek Carr and you know what he what Derek brings to the table. And so it's hard for me to believe that the Raiders can't figure out a way to tap into that situationally. I'm not saying that he's going to split reps with Derek Carr or anything like that. But uh, as Raider Dave said, um, you know, if if there's a way, there is there are other teams have shown the Saints in particular have shown there's there's ways to utilize a backup quarterback who brings something completely different than what the starter has. And even just in preparation, when, when you're another team and you have to, you have to take away from what you're doing, um, you know, to, 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 to uh, prepare for the other team's starting quarterback and what that offense looks like, the time it takes away 
to now have to prepare for the package that Marcus Mariota uh, is playing. Because if the Raiders do that early on, it's going to plant a seed for everybody else. And especially if they have some success. And especially if they go to it a few times during a game. All of a sudden, once that gets on film, every team is going to have to deal with that. And that means that every time whoever plays the Raiders during their preparation week, they're going to have to account for that. And that takes away from what they're having to do to, to stop Derek Carr uh, and, and the Raiders offense. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. I've endorsed it for a while. It didn't work out like that, unfortunately, for the Raiders or Marcus Mariota last year due to circumstance. But why not? You know, why not? It just adds another wrinkle uh, to that offense when, you're, when your quarterback is a legit threat to run the ball. Now, in Derek Carr's defense, last year uh, he did – run with the ball more than he had in the past. He got some key first downs. Uh, that was all the Raiders were ever asking him to do. Like, look, if we need three yards, if we need four yards, and you're the one that has to get it, go get it. Go get it. It's important, and it keeps drives alive. Um, and, and Derek Hard did. He, was, he, he looked more comfortable doing it last year. He looked effective doing it last year. I would expect that that's going to continue this year. Uh, again, it's another element, but by no means is he Marcus Mariota, who's just electrifying uh, with his legs. And I'll say this, we saw that last year during training camp, even though he couldn't throw a lick because of that injury to the, uh, to the pectoral, he was still running it pretty darn good. And it was like, wow, okay, this is, that's unique. That's different. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Evahunter. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. It is a Monday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It is a hot Monday, although it's not as hot as it was this weekend. This weekend was just brutal. Brutal on a weather uh, tip, that's for sure. But... As hot as it was weather-wise, it was even hotter when it talk, when when it comes to the entertainment value, the sports value uh, in Las Vegas. It was going off this weekend uh, in Las Vegas on so many different levels. Uh, and a very good friend of mine uh, from back in uh, my Los Angeles days uh, was here uh, to take it all in. And he's still here um, to uh, covering the uh, Team USA, uh, which is getting back out on the court, I think, today. They're playing another game today. Hopefully they can redeem themselves after the debacle against Nigeria. Uh, but without further ado, I would like to uh, welcome in my good friend Aras Markazi uh, from Los Angeles uh, into the huddle. Uh, Arash, thanks so much for spending some time with us. I know it's a busy day for you. Uh, really, really appreciate it. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. Yeah, Vinny. I mean, like we have experienced hot in the San Fernando Valley. I don't think I've ever experienced anything like this weekend, 117 degrees. Uh, that is next level heat right there. It is Arash, and um, by the way, you could follow Arash at Arash uh, Markazi. Uh, he's also uh, he has his own radio show out in Los Angeles, the te- or kind of Los Angeles, San Diego. I know uh, it, 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 the, it, the signal carries really far, uh, but it's uh, the ten ninety, uh, the mightier. Uh, so he has uh, his show uh, there. He does a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, including WWNXT, uh, the the wrestling, uh, the new wrestling uh, league that 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 is is under uh, going on right now as. As well uh, so arash has his hand in a lot of different things arash i gotta say living here about a year and a half or so you get to a point where 
yes, 117-160. It's just I, it's mind-boggling. Uh, but what it ends up doing where, you know, once you have a couple of those days straight or three or four of those days straight, all of a sudden 101, 104 feels pretty yeah. darn good. It's like the weirdest thing where you're like, oh, this is fine. 104 is fine. Never would have been able to say that a couple of years ago, but you get to that point. I hate having to get to that point, but that's the way that's the way it is. And Arash is right. We've spent some hot days <laughs> in the Valley, in the San Fernando Valley, but this is all next level. Uh, that said, Arash, how on a scale of one to, de- to uh, one to 10, how uh, going off level was Las Vegas this weekend with everything that was going on? You know, I have to say a 10 just because, you know, for 15 months we, we have not experienced Vegas like this. And probably for like a while, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to the Bruno Mars concert at Park MGM on uh, Friday. was at Conor McGregor uh, UFC 264 on Saturday. And then, uh, yeah, at Team USA today, they, they play today and tomorrow. And then you got the WNBA All-Star game. So, I mean, there's so much happening. But it, it really came to a head on Saturday. I think that was the date that a lot of people around the country and certainly in Las Vegas had circled as the sort of, like, we are back to normal in terms of Garth Brooks at Allegiant Stadium, Bruno Mars, UFC 264, uh, Chelsea Handler. I mean, you go down the list. I mean, Justin Bieber, uh, from like entertainment, sports, you name it, Vegas was back, and you know since June first, as you guys know, I mean it's it's been it's been back. You know, no masks, no social distancing, 100 percent capacity. So it's really exciting, and and you know, just looking forward to this being the beginning of a great run for Las Vegas. You know, Arash. Um... When, I, when you were na- naming all those uh, and listing all those events, I was thinking to myself, look, I've been plenty of weekends uh, in Los Angeles, uh, as, as you well know, where maybe on a Saturday or a Sunday, the Dodgers are playing, the Rams are playing, uh, the Angels are playing, you know, um, and, and we could go on and on with the concerts, great concerts. Um, and, and all on a one day basis, we've had friends, I'm sure you have, I know I have that tried to get to all of them just to see if they could do it on one day, get to every little big, every big event that's going on in Southern California, um, at that particular time it's, but, but the reason why that is so difficult to do as opposed to Las Vegas is it's all stretched out and even trying to get from, let's say the Coliseum to Dodger stadium. Sometimes that could be an ordeal in and of itself or the Staples center, um, but here in Las Vegas, I think the one thing that I'm noticing is how close everything is to each other. You could have walked to a bunch of those different events. Uh, if you, I, I know it was blazing hot, but if it wasn't and you were wanting to get a good walk, you could literally walk to all of those events uh, on Saturday night. That's pretty cool, and I think it makes Las Vegas fairly unique in that regard. Exactly. I mean, there was one thing that I regretted on Saturday is that I could have gone to Team USA's game against Nigeria prior to the UFC 264 main card, but I mean, I mean, quite frankly, I knew I was going to go to a, a couple more games, and I never expected that to be the upset it was. I mean, you know, USA is a favorite by 29 points <laughs> at most sports books, and so you know. But yeah, I mean, to your point, you know, Bruno Mars at Park Theater right across the street. You got UFC 264, Allegiant Stadium, one mile away, Mandalay Bay, like one mile away, and so you know. Obviously, when it's 117 degrees, <laughs> not necessarily walkable. But, I mean, again, you are so close. So this is not like Dodger Stadium to the Coliseum or the Coliseum to the Rose Bowl. I mean, you really 
literally on an uh, but by the way when we get to the fall these are all walkable when you you have an event at T-Mobile Park uh, Theater like MGM uh, Allegiant so that's the beautiful thing and again Vegas is going to improve upon that like as you guys know with the uh, the monorail and and everything that's happening in terms of public transportation I mean this is just such an amazing time with T-Mobile and Allegiant Stadium, all those big events that had not been coming to Vegas for years will finally come here. We're talking to my good friend, Arash Markazi. He's in Las Vegas for all these different events, uh, including Team USA um, over at uh, UNLV. Uh, you can follow him at Arash Markazi. Uh, he's one of my good friends uh, back in my Los Angeles days and, and a tremendous follow and uh, talented in, in everything uh, that he does. And, and Believe it or not, Arash has a long history with Las Vegas. Uh, I didn't really know until years later uh, that the connection that Arash had with Las Vegas. Uh, but as it turns out, he spent a lot of time here for a lot of different reasons. And as you as you go back, um, you know, track your course in Las Vegas uh, from however many years ago. Could you have pictured this? Could you have envisioned this? Uh, obviously, the entertainment element was always there, but now the sports element and beyond just the boxing and the potential of, of, of UFC. Could you have envisioned it being this big of a sports town with the NFL, with the NHL, the possibility that Major League Baseball will be here, maybe even the NBA? No, you know, Vinny, I mean, the, the most amazing thing is, you know, we covered for 20 years, like, the, the struggle for Los Angeles, <laughs> the number two market in the country, to get the National Football League and how hard that was. And, again, you're talking about the number two market, Los Angeles, Hollywood, and for Las Vegas, literally almost seemingly at the flip of a switch, at the flip of a coin, getting not only the National Football League, but a story franchise like the Raiders, that was shocking to me. But also, I always figured the NBA, when you talk about, you know, could, could, could you envision professional sports in Las Vegas? I'm like, maybe the NBA, you got UNLV and Jerry Tarkanian, and it's been the home of Team USA and the Summer League and whatnot. The fact of the matter is, the NBA may, may be the last pro sports league to come here. I mean, I do think at some point they do come here. But you look at Major League Baseball now, it looks like that's a real possibility. They, they got the NFL. They got the NHL. They got you know, WNBA. Major League Soccer, I believe, will come here. So as crazy as it sounds, of all, like, if you want to say the big six, I think the NBA may, may be at some point in the near future to be a sixth league to come here. That, I think, is the most surprising thing. But also, number one for me, Vinny, just again, you and I have covered that beat for a while. The National Football League is such a tough cookie to crack. And so for, for not only Vegas to get a team here, to get the Rager, you know, but they, they, they're going to be the home of the Pro Bowl, the draft, the Super Bowl. All these amazing events are going to come here now. Yeah, and it's interesting, uh, Arash, because you know when you talk about the Raiders, and obviously, I think that they would. I think if if everyone had to do it all over again, and I'm not talking about the Raiders because I know that they are beyond happy with how it's turned out in the long run. But if you go back to to January of of 2016 when the NFL was sorting all of this out, uh, I think that there's certain people in Los Angeles that would be very happy now with. The Rams and Raiders being the two teams in Los yeah. Angeles. Um, you know, I, I, there was a time where there was probably some reluctance for that to happen. But I think as it's all played out, I think 
there's certain people that would have been really happy because I think the Raiders would have held up their end of the bargain without question. It would have been kind of a USC UCLA sort of uh, sort of thing, you know, with with the fans, with the Ram fans and the Raider fans. But it would have worked, and it would have worked beautifully. Um, but that said, I think the Raiders ended up getting even more than they could have ever bargained for, even thinking about Los Angeles. Uh, this location for them, where it's, it's this beautiful upcoming market here in Las Vegas, Henderson, Summerlin, all these people moving from California out here uh, to populate uh, this area. But also it gives them, it puts them in close proximity to their fans in Los Angeles, of which we know that there's many. Their fans in the Bay Area, uh, it's a quick flight from from that area uh, down here or even a drive. Uh, and then also Raider Nation, the national brand, the global brand that it is, who doesn't want to come to Las Vegas on a weekend to go catch a game? So in, in retrospect, how good was it that the Raiders ended up here, that this was their landing spot uh, and to be centralized to all their fans, especially the ones in California? Well, the beauty is Las Vegas is sort of that, that city that so many people love to go to. So, like, if you're a Los Angeles Raiders fan, this is perfect. It's a four-hour drive. It's a 45-minute flight. If you're an Oakland Raiders fan, again, a 60-minute flight, a six-hour drive. Those are fun, uh, you know, trips on the weekend. But more so than that, Vinny, you know the other situation in Los Angeles, the practice facilities, the, the Chargers and the Rams are still playing in makeshift practice facilities, and there's been no ground broken on a, on, an, on a full-time actual permanent facility. Meanwhile, the Raiders have opened in Henderson, one of the preeminent you know, training facilities in the country. They have partnered with various hotels. and I mean, it really is a perfect situation for, for them here. So, you know, listen, I agree with you. I think you know, the, the ideal situation for all involved would have been the Rams and the Raiders in Los Angeles and the Chargers, quite frankly. Steve Spanos and the Spanos family have such a connection with Las Vegas. It didn't work out, but the Raiders lucked out here because they have such a beautiful stadium and such a beautiful setup here in Las Vegas. The next step, obviously, for the Raiders is to win and to win big. Uh, they they finished 8-8 eight and eight last year. Their offense was playoff caliber, one of the top 10 offenses in the NFL. Derek Carr had a career year. Um, I actually expect him to continue that improvement as the offensive personnel uh, gets better around him. They have to obviously fix the defense. They've addressed it. We won't know until the regular season starts uh, if those changes have the uh, desired uh, you know, impact and effect. Uh, but from where you're sitting, your vantage point, um, and listening to Derek Carr talk about how they were three or four plays away from being an 11-win team, I don't think there was any lies in any of the statements that he made. I was there. That It literally was that close. But from where you're, from your vantage point, Arash, um, how viable are the Raiders in terms of making a legit playoff run this year? It's very viable. You know, the problem for them, Vinny, is they're in the AFC West. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we all know how good the Chiefs are. The Chargers are, are obviously very high on their team with Justin Herbert, if they can stay healthy. Uh, but I like the Raiders, I, I, and I still do like them to make the playoffs. Like I got them finishing second to the Chiefs in the West. I got them in the playoffs. We'll see how they do, but I mean, I mean, they, they are a, a team that you said, and I was at a couple of those games last year. I mean, so close. Uh, but yes, I, in my view, if things go their way, now that they got 
the Raider Nation behind them, Capacity Crowd. It was so cool to see the Capacity Crowd for that concert on Saturday. I like them finishing second and making the playoffs. Yeah, that I, I got some video from uh, the Garth Brooks concert, and seeing that stadium in full capacity was just—it was spectacular. Yeah. It's going to be—it's going to be quite the scene when the Raiders pack that place uh, every Sunday and every game, which is what they're going to do. Uh, before I let you get out of here, Arash, um, obviously the NBA Finals are, are are going on right now. The Lakers aren't in it. They—they um, they got knocked off. Some injuries conspired against them. Um, but I know, hearing back in Los Angeles, obviously everyone's angst. It's always about the Lakers, and, and are they yeah. going to be able to make the necessary improvements to get back to the finals uh, next next year and maximize LeBron uh, as he as he hits the twilight of his career? What do you think the Lakers are going to do this offseason? And a fully healthy Laker uh, team next year with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, are they back yeah. knocking on the championship door? Yeah, I totally think so. I think some of the odds in Vegas have them in the top two or three. So they're, they're, they're definitely going to be back in championship contention. The biggest off-season addition that they will make is, the, is a five-month full off-season for LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I talked to some trainers in, in prior to this season, and Vinny, they said, if you made it to the conference finals, if you were in Orlando in that bubble for – 60, 70, 80, like the Lakers were there for 100 days. They said, don't look for them to make a finals run. It's just physically not possible. They only had a 70-day offseason. So the biggest thing for them is they have a full offseason, come back healthy. They will make some tweaks. They're going to bring in a point guard. They're going to – a team like the Lakers with the guys that they have, they're going to bring in some pieces. But really, the biggest addition, the biggest thing that they have going for them going into next season – is a full five-month offseason for LeBron and Anthony Davis. And if those two guys are healthy, you're talking about two of the top five players in the league, they'll be just fine. I completely agree. You can follow him at Arash Markazi. That's M-A-R-K-A-Z-I. He's a good friend. Uh, we go way, way back uh, in Las Vegas, Las Vegas, or, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, so glad you were able to uh, come on the show. Don't be a stranger. We won't be a stranger with you as well. Can't wait to get you back on uh, to get your thoughts, especially as the NFL season uh, starts uh, coming into to play. Arash, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time here in Las Vegas, and we'll catch up really soon. Thanks, Vinny. You're the best. I'll talk to you soon. Likewise, uh, that's Arash Markazi, uh, one of the renowned <laughs> reporters uh, in Los Angeles and nationally, too. Uh, he just has a knack uh, for being able to uncover great stories and be in the middle of a lot of great stories that are unfolding, including uh, this weekend here in Las Vegas, where he was uh, the man about town. Uh, always enjoy talking to Arash. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. 